until last year. When, yeah, up until last year. I feel like this year has just blurred so much that I'm like, what year are we in? <laughs> I think it helps you grow as a performer and you can test out new material. So I think it is a real shame that there'll be less opportunity for the next sort of generation of artists to come to actually be able to go out there and test the waters and learn the craft. Welcome to the Creative Community Worldwide Podcast from Collective Culture. My name's Alex, and for anyone who doesn't know, Collective Culture is a new free-to-access and be a part of worldwide creative collective, multimedia and events brand based in Southeast London, offering opportunities and starting projects with creatives from anywhere and everywhere. You can find out more on our newly launched website and networking platform, www.collectiveculture.com. In the podcast, we'll be talking to people I find really interesting, some already involved in collective culture and others who aren't, generally focused around the life of modern day creatives, the creative industry, but also just venturing off into other random topics along the way. In this episode, the third of the series, I had the pleasure of talking to solo artist Jen M. We spoke about her music and what inspired her distinctive mix of acoustic pop and dance and what the freedoms of being a solo artist really mean. We also spoke about the new laws potentially being brought in around street performance in London, what this might mean for artists who make their living doing it and the impact this could have on young artists who are still learning their craft. Just a warning, our podcasts sometimes contain strong language. Enjoy. So we're joined today uh, by Jen M, a solo artist um, based in Manchester. Do you want to chat about yourself a bit and what you do? Yeah, so as you heard, my name's Jen M. I'm a singer-songwriter, um, producer to, to a certain extent. Yeah, write, write my own songs, release, record, all that kind of stuff. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, so you recently got um, involved in collective culture and yeah, thank you for coming on today. Um, so, I mean, first of all, I just want to talk about like your experience as a solo artist. Um, how do you kind of find it working as a solo artist and when did that kind of start for you? Well, so I started as a solo artist really from the very start I started in music. So I guess a lot of people probably get into music by playing an instrument or singing around the bedroom, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I started as a solo artist just by playing guitar and then starting to sing alongside that. And I've never properly, like I've never had a full band set up. I've worked with a lot of people and done a lot of jam sessions, but I've kind of always been a solo artist. So I've had a glimpse into the other side of things, but not, not properly. So for me, it kind of feels very natural. And actually it's mm-hmm. the other way around of that full sort of full band set up mm-hmm. maybe feels a little bit more alien than, than the solo artist route. And I think the thing I like about being a solo artist is just having, I guess, all of the creative control, sort of having all the control, but also not having to sort of rely on other people to to do that. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, because I found a lot of the times, I love working with other people, but um, I found often in sort of band, band settings, when I have been involved with bigger projects, uh, it's been a case of there's been some people who are more involved than other people and it's kind of where the projects have gone maybe a little bit pear-shaped so yeah I think as a solo artist you, you've got all that control there yeah, and you can kind of, you want to do you're going to do it yeah I mean like the experience I've had is that it can kind of be like a blessing and a curse at the same time because I've found like when I've been in because I've, I've played in like bands for quite a few years I don't at the minute but I have and I've found that I kind of like when I did stuff like as a like experimented as a solo artist I found I had loads of freedom 
but like self-doubt probably helped me back more than anything else um because you don't have those people around you necessarily sort of like driving the project at the same time if you get what i'm saying yeah um, have, have you had that kind of like um experience with like imposter syndrome if you yeah i'm not sure i would go as far as to say that i think everyone kind of i think you always get those doubts of whether it's the right path i think it's more to do with finding the sound that i've found like as a, like a solo artist has been maybe mm. where the doubts have come is like is this the right sound and then it's all again when, as you said like it's all kind of your own decision which is great but then also you've got no one else to kind of go hold on a minute are you sure that's yeah that's the right thing yeah there is that those kind of doubts and definitely i feel like with more kind of production sort of side of things that's where i really i guess because the bit i find a bit harder maybe have more kind of doubts there mm -hmm. um but i'd say i just what i've tried to do from the start or what i do from the have done from the start and want to do moving forward is just do things in the moment and like go with it and see where it ends up and try try not to let any sort of doubts or anything like that influence mm -hmm. the music and then afterwards evaluate what i've created and yeah think about it see what's happened <clears throat> yeah so do you do you record your own stuff or do you work with a producer or like how does that work for you the whole process yeah so it's been a mix of mix of both and up until last year when yeah up until last year i feel like this year has just blurred so much that i'm like what year are we <laughs> <I agree>. um <laughs> until the pandemic i was working mostly with producers i did bits of production but had never put out any music that i'd actually produced myself so i worked with a guy called half rhymes a london-based like writer producer Mm -hmm. um on the on one of my eps and then worked with uh, various collaborators but then after that because of the pandemic and just with not really going not well, not really going anywhere i got more into production and so started producing all, all my own stuff and yeah releasing the stuff i was producing as well cool yeah no i think one thing that really hit me about your your stuff was the you have like a really good vocal sound on your tracks and like the, the recording sound as a whole is really polished as well how, how how do you kind of get that vocal sound it's, it's i feel like it's quite distinct to your music if you know what i'm saying yeah well so <laughs> mostly by recording endless takes of vocals i'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to yeah. vocals so it's cool that you said that but yeah i'm like i don't even remember there's a track i put out which um i don't know if you want to talk about a bit more but called lockdown that i put out last year actually getting on to almost a year now maybe not quite but yeah about a year ago and that one i did probably about 10 different um 10 different sessions where i was trying to record the lead vocal so like within that there was like probably six or seven takes at least per session of just yeah that was a bit too much i think but yeah i think the the way i got it was just doing a lot of takes i mean you you've released quite a lot of music over the last couple of years and um, i mean like I've seen that you like 2019. You did the the Skyline EP mm -hmm. um, with the Skyline and Let Myself Go uh, singles on there. Um, yeah, I think I noticed like you have a really nice on that EP, especially you have a really nice mix of kind of electronic and acoustic pop, and it sort of reminded me. Do you know Years and Years? Yeah. Yeah, kind yeah. of like that kind of vibe I got from it. Um, yeah, I mean, like what I mean, what kind of influence that EP was that? Would that be accurate or? Was it? Am I completely off the ball? <laughs> um, I wouldn't have gone for years and years like as the obvious. I mean, I like them, but they they weren't like a they were the influence kind of thing. But mm -hmm. it's cool that you said that because I do like their stuff. I think really with that, as you said there, I wanted to kind of capture. I listened to a whole lot load of different kinds of music. Like not really 
I'm a fan of lots of different music and I just wanted to get that into into my own sound and also it was a bit again it was still kind of early days of a bit more experimenting with which way the sound would go would it be slightly more dancey moving forward would it be more acoustic um so that's what I was trying to do a little bit with that EP as well was kind of test the water if you like and put yeah. out the the different elements and see see what kind of took a bit more um but yeah I always like with my music I really don't want to lose the acoustic acoustic sort of sound and it's been something from the start I've always I started as a guitar guitar vocalist so I, I don't want to ever take that part out even if things lend themselves a little bit more towards that dance sound um, yeah. but also it came from working with the collaborator because I work with as I say that guy who I mentioned before Half Rhymes I think he also helped kind of shape that a little bit more sound wise. Hey Alex here again just a reminder to go over to our Instagram page at Collective Culture uh, to check out all the projects we're working on. Cheers. Yeah, I noticed you have like quite a few remixes and more sort of like dancey tracks. Like you did the um, the two you released last year, Cure and Crowd. Like they were super dancey, and you did the you had the remix, didn't you, on the EP? Was that? Yeah, so that was a friend of mine actually from, I, uh, I studied in Leeds and um, at the Leeds, well it's now called the Leeds Conservatoire, it was called Leeds College of Music when I was there, yeah. um, and then they had a name change, but yeah, I studied there and met, met a guy who goes by the name of Rhea West and really liked like his sound and he does a lot more kind of production wise, he's more, I guess, really disco in a lot of his work, but definitely dancey and I just thought, I'll see see what he can do with it as a remix um and yeah he, he did a really cool job of the remix on that a bit more dancey and because i really like that i also was working with um a guy called ramel lee producer, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah so he's the one who did cure and cure and crowd and um yeah we wrote those songs kind of like well crowd was in probably around january but we'd written them uh, a while back and just thought you know what actually we'd really like to share these ones so um, again, that was more of a, a collaborative. He did most of the production, but it was more of a collaborative production that one than mm. um, the remix of of the Let Myself Go track. But still, yeah, it got a, a little bit more of his influence of that side, and I also was up for doing something a bit more dance influenced. Yeah, no, absolutely. What would you um, like? How how have you found? Because I know you. Um, you were in London, but you said before that you've moved back up to Manchester. How, how did you find being in London? Was that your first experience living away from Manchester? Or? Well, so I lived in Leeds whilst I was studying for three years. So actually, to be fair, I hadn't been in Manchester for a while. So it was kind of like I was, I knew as soon as I was done in Leeds that London was the place I wanted to move to. I've always loved like just London as a place, just being a busy kind of big city. Not that Manchester's not, but like London's even even more going on. Um, and yeah, I knew I wanted to move there and it was great. Like I really enjoyed my time there. I found there's some things about London that um, amuse me still and just, I guess, amuse me as well. Like people running for a tube when it's like another one in 30 seconds. <laughs> I can't ever get my head around it. And I don't ever think I'll ever get to the point either where I'll do that. I don't know. Are you, do you find yourself doing that sometimes? I, mean, uh, I, I do. Uh, I think I've lived here because I, I live in southeast London. Um, wait, wh where, uh, whereabouts in London did you live? So, well, I was living like Kilburn area. So oh, okay, cool, yeah. So, yeah, I live in southeast London. Uh, I've always lived in east and southeast London. But I think I've lived here just long enough that I do unfortunately do that, yeah. 
and it's it's so annoying isn't it <laughs> like i understand if you're like you're running a bit late but at the same time it's like from manchester if i miss the the equivalent of the tubes to like the met here it's at least like six minutes until the next one like that's a guarantee sometimes way longer so here you might remember it there i'm like why yeah <laughs> um, I, I feel like when you've lived in london for long enough you kind of like become like a sort of quote unquote Londoner like and I think you you kind of um assimilate to all the other like the habits of all the other people who live here and I feel like yeah I, I feel like it sort of becomes part of your like daily habits if you know what I mean um yeah, yeah I do unfortunately do that um and there are definitely upsides and downsides to living in London like it's so expensive but it is also kind of full of opportunities and amazing stuff to do at the same time and amazing like lots of different amazing people doing different stuff so yeah there are upsides and downsides I think but um yeah I enjoy living here are, are you planning to come back down to London or are you going to stay back up in Manchester and like is that depend on the music scene or what um so well actually currently I'm planning on uh, moving to Cambridge which is mostly to be within reach of London um but not don't like right now I don't feel like I need to be in London because yeah. obviously Hopefully in the next few months, things will start picking up again in terms of the live music scene. But until until the live music returns fully, I kind of want to save save a little bit. And uh, I mean, Cambridge is still quite expensive, but it's not quite London prices. And as you said before, London's an expensive place to live when, um, when things aren't kind of not as much as happening. But no, I think I'm not quite sure that I'm done with living in London for good. Like I only really got about, I'd say maybe like, eight months of living in London properly, which wasn't very long. I think like I could definitely have spent a lot longer there. So it'd be nice to nice to be back. And I just really enjoyed how there's always something happening. There's always someone to collab with. Like that's what was amazing about it. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, how, how has the pandemic affected you as an artist? Has it kind of brought out like new sides of your creativity, which you hadn't seen before? Um, yeah, like, I mean, you've been releasing a lot of music, so. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think it did a lot in terms of, I think production, well, as I said, production wise, I've definitely made some quite a bit of progress there and like I hadn't produced my own music and put it out before. So it got me to do that. And also I think it made me think, you know what, like you don't know what's going to happen. So why not just um, put out some music? And again, I think I'm still kind of, or last year anyway, was still figuring out the sound a little bit more. So I wanted to put out lots of different things and just do things I enjoyed and then see, see what people enjoyed as well. So not completely be influenced by, by that, but obviously moving forward, that kind of gives me a better idea of maybe what sort of sounds that I like, but that other people also like. Um, yeah. So I guess it's done that for me. At first it was quite a, it's a big thing because um, prior to the pandemic, I was making all, all my living off, off music, off busking gigs and mm-hmm. like cover gigs and that kind of thing. So I guess the, the first thing it did was make me go, uh-oh, I'm going to pay my rent. Um, but after that, once I kind of figured all that stuff out, it became quite good. And I feel like it's given me a lot more, arguably more time to kind of, yeah, experiment. In this segment of the podcast, we discuss the new potential laws being brought in around street performance in London and what this might mean for the people who do this to make money and hone their craft. Yeah, so I don't know how many people will have actually heard of this or will be aware of it, but um, before 
before now in like central London, so sort of Oxford Street, Trafalgar Square, Leicester Square, all the tourist areas essentially, you didn't need a license to busk. There's a lot of, there were some codes of conduct of sorts um, and definitely like, and a couple of street performance associations as well, I believe. Um, and like sort of, yeah, when you'd go to those places, the busy places, there'd be queuing systems, those kind of things, self-regulated things, but no licenses. But from the, I think it's the 5th of April, sometime like that, they're going to bring in a license scheme and um, yeah, it's going to be illegal apart from on specific spots. And more importantly, you're not going to be allowed amplification on most of the spots. I think there's only like five or six across the whole of really central, mm. central tourist London, as I put it, um, that you can actually have amplification. So reducing places where people can play. Yeah. How, how's that going to affect you? Do you think if you, if you were to move back down this way? Well, so I think personally, it would affect me a little bit. It wouldn't have, probably for, for me personally, it wasn't as big a deal as some people I know, because I know a few people who are full time in like street performance. As I said, I make a living or made a living from street performance, but also from cover gigs and that kind of things. There are some people who were just solely street performers who I know, um, really talented at what they do. But for the, those people, and also for myself to an extent, um, if you've got less spots, obviously that means you're going to have to wait even longer to be able to play. So you've probably got pretty much no chance of. Um, having enough hours in the day that you can play to make a living out of that because before you'd be queuing like Piccadilly Circus area um, Leicester Square it was five hours to play for 45 minutes and now if you're reduced to where you, you can only use an amp in like five spots well that's going to mean all the people are going there you might be queuing for seven hours to play for half an yeah. hour what what's what's the reasoning behind this because I've never seen like an issue with busking or I think it was it's been going on for a couple of years the sort of consultations behind it but they've had a lot of residents it's been residents and businesses that are, are in I guess those again the tourist areas that aren't aren't happy with the noise I think it's because sometimes there are some people who maybe either have their volume too high or um yeah or just without regulating it obviously sometimes you'll get people who maybe aren't to everyone's taste that yeah. kind of thing mm. No, it seems a shame. I mean, I think, I mean, like you look at people like Ed Sheeran, like he basically like started off by just performing on the street on like on street corners outside pubs and stuff, didn't he? So yeah, no, I can see how it would really affect a lot of like artists in London. And I think, I think busking and street performance are great ways for artists or performers and whatever they do to really like kind of um, nurture their craft. Um, and so I feel like it could be kind of killing off that side of their creative like journey, if you know what I mean, if that kind of makes sense, without being too philosophical. <laughs> yeah, no, I would totally agree. Like, I think I started busking when I was, um, I don't know, like maybe 14, maybe even before that. And until that point, I'd kind of played the odd, I don't, maybe I hadn't even played the odd gig. Like, busking was really the first thing that got me playing live and without it I don't think I would have learned like I would probably have had stage fright the first time I kind of went out and played but once you put yourself out there and on the street where you're playing for people who haven't chosen to be be there and and sometimes can say some interesting comments um, you know you just kind of got to deal with whatever's happening and that really like I think it helps you grow as a performer and you can test out new material so I think it is a real shame that there'll be less opportunity for the next sort of generation of artists to come to actually be able to go out there and test the waters and learn the craft that way yeah i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna keep up with like with that and see um 
see how it see how it goes but um no it's interesting thanks for like bringing that to like to talk about because i had no idea about that and i'm sure a lot of people listening won't either so um so just to finish off i just enjoy i just enjoy this like segment of the podcast just because i've like been a part of so many terrible life performances pieces of music pieces of work what is the worst piece of work or performance you've ever created or been a part of um, I was going to go for performance rather than piece of work because yeah, I, I don't know what piece of work, but with the performance, although I feel like maybe this is a bit of a cop out, but I'd say like basically whenever the weather has been, whenever I've done an outdoor gig and the weather has not been going with it, it's never been, it's never been good. And there's been, there's a couple that really stick in my mind. Two of them were like, one was where I was playing somewhere, um, somewhere in Manchester in like an outdoor market and it was super windy. And then at one point, I, started, I was like singing my set, everything was going all right. And then at one point, the like tent that I was basically in just lifted up and like basically started flying away. Um, and there were some benches opposite. My grandparents were sat on a bench and I saw like another bench like flying towards them. Uh, yeah, it was quite, it was quite a mess that one. Um, it was good fun though. The venue literally disappeared. <laughs> yeah, the venue literally up and left. So that was quite, quite something. And also because of the power of the wind. I don't know like how many outdoor like gigs and stuff you've done, but like if if it's windy, all you hear is just like the wind through the mic. Yeah. So yeah, that was basically the gig to be honest. It probably was <laughs> pretty atrocious. Between that and like I also did some another thing where I was singing outside and it was raining and like moved backwards to avoid the rain because I stood on some shelter, but it was like a slanted roof. And just towards the end, like this massive pile of water just like all flew down and <laughs> it was not yeah not good that must have been so embarrassing well yeah it was you know what the worst bit was was moving back to like moved all the equipment back to like make sure that that you know wasn't going to get soaked and my equipment wasn't going to get ruined and then <laughs> just at that point bam yeah. it was actually quite nice and that someone someone who was watching was like oh go buy yourself some towels, here's a fiver, and <laughs> just like chucked a fiver my way. That was, was alright. Well, thank you for sharing. That's uh, it's very honest of you. Um, any sort of plans for post-lockdown, like any new releases, um, gigs? I saw, I saw you were meant to do a tour when you last year or something. Yeah, um, so, yeah. Yeah, myself and Leah G, who's also, I believe, a part oh, of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah awesome talented musician and um yeah we were meant to she's from austria originally and we were meant to go do like a europe tour so we were going to go all, all over the place really it was like two or three weeks we, i think it was somewhere between two and three weeks we had planned out but unfortunately that all got um postponed and now with brexit and everything too i'm not quite sure i'm not quite sure if that will be doable just at the moment so i'm not really planning the touring side as much at the moment but i am working on an ep um, got a, about four or five tracks that I really want to release later in the year with like sort of acoustic acoustic pop dance kind of combo again um, bringing all the sort of different sounds together brilliant yeah, that's well thank you so much for taking the time today I'm sure you're busy making music and stuff so I really appreciate you taking the time to chat and um, yeah I'll see you later yeah thanks for having me